Praise the Lord. How many is glad to be at First Church on Pentecost Sunday? I'm so glad that it's Pentecost Sunday. It's amazing this doesn't appear on the calendar usually. You see Easter, you see Christmas, you see Valentine's Day. You don't normally see Pentecost Sunday. But what's amazing is there are churches in our world today that do not claim the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They do not profess speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And yet there are other churches that are celebrating the gift of the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit, the birthday of the church today. It is an important, significant day. This is the birthday of the church. And I am so thankful to be a part of a church that believes. I'm glad to be a part of a church that is Pentecostal. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and we celebrate something that we celebrate all the time. I believe Brother Sheeran has made mention of the fact that in a way, every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday around here because every Sunday, the Spirit's here. Every Sunday that we meet is Pentecost Sunday. Every time we get together, we have the opportunity to recreate Pentecost. Because every Sunday, somebody can be filled with the Spirit. I'm glad it's not just one time of year. I'm glad that the presence that we feel here is not something that we're limited to. Well, Pastor Sheeran is the pastor. He can feel the presence of God. One day out of the year. And that's it. But I'm thankful that we can feel His presence. I'm thankful that we serve a God who is present and involved in our lives. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We're celebrating the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're celebrating everything that he did. And today I want to just tack onto that a little bit. On the purpose of Pentecost. On what the purpose of Pentecost is. And last Sunday in Sunday school, it was the last Sunday of the quarter, and our lesson was on the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was on receiving the Holy Ghost. We had led up to that. We talked about repentance. We talked about baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And then we were concluding the quarter talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. And my prayer is everyone that's involved in our children's ministry will have the Holy Ghost. I want not just the grown-ups out here. I want the youth that's upstairs. I want the children that are in the back. I want everybody to have the Holy Ghost. Somebody asked me one time, they said, do you have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? And I said, well, let me put it this way. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want it even if it wasn't essential? Because the Holy Ghost is impactful and it's empowered. Um, I'm going to take your attention to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, and I'm going to start verse number 31. And 31 through 34 are the verses 
for today. God is speaking through his prophet Jeremiah. He's talking to his people and he's telling them that things are about to change. Things are about to be different. He wants it to be different than how it has been. And he speaks to the prophet. He says this. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them saith the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity. And I will remember their sin no more. Here we see a preview, a prelude to what God is going to do with his people. He tells them the day is going to come. I'm going to make a different covenant, a new covenant with you. The covenant that he is referring to was the covenant that he made with them after the exodus. And he had made a covenant with his people in the Old Testament. And he had said, this is my law. And if you will obey my law, I will be your God. And you will be my people. If you will do what I say, if you will follow what is written in this book, then I will be your God. I will take you to a land that I promised to your fathers. And you will be my people. And he had kept that covenant with his people. He says here, they broke it. They broke his covenant many, many times. I told somebody one time, I said, if you really want to just get kind of down, just read the book of Judges. Because if you read the book of Judges, um, I don't know. I'm pretty stubborn, but I don't know how stubborn you can be. Because if you read the book of Judges, it's a constant cycle of they are in bondage, they're in trouble, they call to God, God sends a deliverer, he saves them, and then they start following God until the judge dies. And then when the judge dies, they go right back into sin, they break the law of God, and God sends them back into bondage. And it goes over and over And over, it's worse than a stuck record because it just goes over and over and over and over again. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, he's constantly telling them, he's made a covenant with them. And he said, if you will keep my covenant, I will bless you. And here, right before the captivity, he's already told his people, you're going into captivity, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years because of everything you've done. And he tells them, after you get back from the captivity, I'm going to make a different covenant with you. I'm going to make a new covenant with you. 
Because the old covenant was he gave the law. The Bible tells us that Moses went up to Mount Sinai. God gave him the law. And before Moses went down, God took and carved in two stone tablets the Ten Commandments. The law is written in stone. And it's written on pages. It's written on scrolls. It's written on stone. And he tells his people, follow after my law. The problem with that is, that is an external law. It puts punishment for those that break the law. If you break the law, if you do this, then you have to provide this sacrifice. Or if you break this law, then you have to provide this to the priest. Or if you break this law, then you'll probably be cut off from the people of God. And if you break this law, then the congregation will stone you. And there's external consequences. But throughout the pages of the Bible, we read a people who are trying to follow a written law. Some to the best of their ability, others not so much. He says here, I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm not going to make a covenant where I carve my law in stone. And I'm not going to make a covenant where Moses is going to write the law in a book that's going to be read out loud to everybody every seven years. And the kings and the leaders have to make copies of it. He says, I'm going to put my law inside of them. I will put it in their inward parts. And I will write it in their hearts. We find this come to pass in the New Testament. Because the purpose of Pentecost really is an answer to a people who serve a holy God. And they try their best to serve a holy God. They try their best to follow what the law says. But without something inside of them changing... They're going to struggle. They're going to find difficulty. And perhaps even as the people of Israel did time and time again, just give up and say, well, we're going to go find something else. The purpose of Pentecost is not just so that we can have good church. Although how many is thankful we have good church? The purpose of Pentecost is not just so that we can go to camps, um, up north and our kids can feel the presence and the power of God. But the purpose of Pentecost is the God that we serve, the God who created the universe. And it's simplistic. When we, when we say it this way, it's very simplistic, but it's very deep. And that is, the purpose of the Holy Ghost is the God who created the universe is no longer an outside Force an outside entity that we acknowledge and we see what he's done. Because the Bible tells us that everyone on the earth is without excuse because all you have to do is look into the night sky or see the patterns in a leaf or even look at your own hand. And the Bible says anybody can see that and know that there's a maker. There's a creator. Some force caused that to happen. It couldn't happen by chance. 
There are many in our world that they believe that all of this is accidental. But he said, you can tell that there is a creator. We've done that in the Old Testament. And then that creator robed himself in flesh. He became a man. He was born and lived with us. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And he came and for 33 years lived with us and showed us how we ought to live. But on the day of Pentecost, he said, I've been outside of you. I have lived with you. Now my goal is, now I will dwell in you. And now he is in our hearts. We tell our children, we tell them to ask Jesus into their heart. We tell them very simply, we're like, well, the Holy Ghost is God. He comes and he lives inside of you. And it's so simple when we explain it that way. And it seems overly simplistic, but there's a depthness to that. That the creator of the universe, the one who made us, now indwells inside of us. Now he is no longer outwardly telling us what we need to do. Now he is within us guiding us into what we need to do. It's now no longer just the Ten Commandments and you better obey them and they're carved into stone. Now he is within us and he says, I am going to write my law in their hearts. Now it's not going to be an external thing where perhaps they want to do what's right, but I have to rely on an external discouragement to keep them in line. Now it's no longer, well, you obey the law and God will bless you and you don't obey the law and there's curses and there are chapters in the New Old Testament that talk about that. He said, now I'm going to write it in their hearts. They're going to live for me because they're going to want to. Now the desire is going to be there. The purpose of Pentecost is not simply tongues. In our discussion last week, I asked the question, I said, does anybody know what the Holy Ghost is? And one of the children in the back raised their hand and they said, tongues. And I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. When you get the Holy Ghost, we believe the initial sign is you'll speak with other tongues. But the Holy Ghost is not tongues. It's a sign of it. There are people, they seek after tongues, and preachers will get up and tell them, don't seek tongues, seek the Holy Ghost. Don't seek the external, seek that indwelling of God. It's not just so that we can speak in a different language. It's not just so that we can shout and get happy. But it is something that changes on the inside of us. Because the purpose of Pentecost is to change us from the inside out. He changes us and makes us into a new creature. And this is nothing that we haven't heard before. We've heard it preached. Behold, all things are new. Behold, we, we are a new creature. We are a new creation in Him. But in reality, that's what the purpose of Pentecost is. It's to create in us a clean heart. Oh. 
excuse me, it's to create in us a new heart that loves him and seeks after him. He empowers us to do what he wants us to do. Jesus told them, you will be endued with power from on high after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We are now empowered to follow what he wants us to do. Once upon a time, we did what we were supposed to do because if we didn't do what we were supposed to do, we'd get in trouble. He says, now I will empower you. It's a desire. Now you will do what you're supposed to do, not because there's the external threat of you're going to get in trouble, but now because you desire it. You now want to do what I want you to do. Now you follow me, not because you have to, not because if you don't follow me, there's going to be a consequence, but because you want to follow me. It's a changing of the heart and making us into a brand new creature. It's now a new relationship. He says, I was a husband to them before, and they broke my covenant. But now he truly is. It's a personal relationship that we have. Now it's no longer just we know about a God and we're taught about him. But now we can truly know him for ourselves. And now we know him. The Bible says here, he says, they will no longer teach one another and say, know the Lord because everybody will know him already. They will all know me from the least unto the greatest. It's a relationship that we enter into with our God. That is the purpose of Pentecost. It's a lot deeper than just the founding of a church. It's a lot deeper than simply cloven tongues of fire that sit upon 120 in an upper room. But it is where the God of creation, the one who created the world, the one who took our sins upon him and died in our place on a cross, now truly indwells in our hearts. When you think of it that way, it really is Jesus in your heart. It really truly is the one that we love inside of us. Now he can truly say to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you because he's always there. He is with us wherever we go, not just in an external sense. And that's usually how we take that is, well, he's, he's right there. We, we tell people he's right there beside you. But it's more than that with the Holy Ghost. He's not just simply beside us. Now he's right in here. And he is truly within us. So he will never leave us because... He's inside of us everywhere that we go. He is now leading us and guiding us in the direction that we need to go. I told him, I said, have you ever done something wrong and you had that little voice in the back of your head say, you shouldn't have done that? That conscience that bothers you. I told him, I said, the bad deal with a conscience, the, the only bad deal with a conscience is it always kicks in after the fact. My conscience has never told me, you don't need to do that. My conscience is always like, well, why did you do that in the first place? Well, yeah, I don't know why I did that. Now, he leads and guides us. Now, we have that voice that says, um, 
you need to do this. You don't need to do this. He can lead us and guide us through relationship. Where law could not succeed, relationship will now lead. It is a personal and individual relationship with the God of creation. It is something so powerful and yet so intimate. It is something so earth-shattering and yet life-changing from the inside. It goes from serving God because I don't want to go to hell to doing what he asks me to do because I love him and that's what he wants me to do. It goes from, well, God said we need to do this because it's written on those stone tablets and we've memorized them. It goes from a memorizing of what he wants us to do to, well, I'm going to do that anyway because I just feel like he wants me to do that. And I just want to do what he wants me to do. It goes from a God-creation relationship to a relationship where truly we become his bride and we become his. And we do what we do not because he makes us, but because we know he wants us to do it. And that truly is the simplistic but powerful purpose of Pentecost. It's more than just simply an externality. It is an internal changing of the heart. It's a relationship that we form. It's something so powerful. We can discuss it. And describe it in such simplistic words. Ask Jesus into your heart. But the implications of that are so powerful. That he can come and dwell inside of us. And live in us. To change us. And to make us what he wants us to be. And if we will let him. He will lead us and guide us. If we'll let him. He will turn us and make us into what he wants us to be. It's amazing that people find God and they come to church and they get the Holy Ghost and they have God inside of them. And it's amazing how many times you can see the transformation begin. They begin to change, not because anybody's making them change. They just begin to change. People come to church, they Get the Holy Ghost. They begin attending, and the next thing you know, you know, you start seeing little tithing envelopes in the offering because they're like, "Well, I, I need to pay my tithe. I, I just—that's I, something I need to start doing." They begin to do what He wants them to do, not because they're forced, but because they desire to. It is truly God in us, or as the Bible says, Christ in you. The hope of glory. So what happened nearly 2,000 years ago on this day was more than just simply the beginning of a new group. It was more than the beginning of a new movement. It was more than just simply the second chapter of a book that is still being written. But it was God coming and being with us. And now he says, I will be in you. And I will lead you and guide you into all things. Now we have that guidance and that direction. We still need to hear from the word. We still 
don't neglect the word. Now we read it not because we have to, but because we want to know what he says. But we have that internal relationship that puts in us a desire. The world looks at us and says, isn't that so sad that you're showing up in that building? You go to that church and they make you do all that stuff and they, they put all those rules on you. Oh, if they only knew. That's not the case. I don't do anything that I do because I have to do it. I do because I get to do it. I don't do it because somebody's forcing me to do it. I do it because I want to do it. Because I want to get closer to him. That is what happened when he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And came and dwelt within us. He changed us. So that we can become like him. What could not take place outwardly, he will do on the inside if we will simply let him. The purpose of Pentecost is to create in us a new creature so that he, through us, can become more like him. And let's strive to do that. Let's follow him every day and continue to let every day be Pentecost in our lives. To hear an instructive word of the purpose of Pentecost. And what's exciting is everything that Brother Johnson told us today that we get when we experience Pentecost is guaranteed ours. It's promised. And I'll be preaching today about that Pentecostal promise. And it's exciting to hear in Bible class the result of receiving the promise of Pentecost. And that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we not only have the hope of glory, but we have the hope of while we're here, Him helping us, guiding us, and doing the work that only he can do to us and through us, and I'm grateful for that today. How many of you are thankful for the experience of Pentecost today? Why don't you just offer praise to the Lord for that experience? Father, today we thank you for the wonderful gift of the Spirit. We thank you for the Pentecostal experience. God, we thank you that we now know the purpose of Pentecost, and we know that it's promised, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of Bible class. We'll begin morning worship in just a few moments. Brother Johnson let us out a little bit early. I've always told Brother Johnson I've never heard anybody say that was way too short. And again, it won't be the case today. That was perfect. Thank you, Brother Johnson. God bless you. Let's have a great Sunday.